This is a message that, as far as the, the content of the message, I've preached several times. I'll preach it several more times in my life. I believe that, that today is, is it's kind of the, it's kind of like the core of, of living in what we're talking about in our, in our series about the, 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 the core of having a good capacity. But I believe that this is kind of the paramount truth that will really dictate to us how we respond to God's word, to, what, to God's dealing with us, to, to the way that God uh, works in our lives. Listen, God is powerful. God is incredibly powerful. Come on, how many of you guys are with me? We know that, God, the, that you know, nothing happens without God instigating it at some point. Are you with me? I mean, he is all power. He's omnipotent. And, uh, you know, but really the effectiveness of God's power in your life is really not contingent upon how powerful God is, but it's more contingent upon your capacity to receive it. So we could talk about God's power all day long and talk about how, how magnificent he is and how beautiful he is and how powerful and how awesome we can, we can sing about that. We can talk about we, that. We can declare it. But if we don't have hearts that are ready to receive that power and to receive that goodness of God, then, then his power really has no avail in our life. It has no influence in us. We must have hearts that are ready to receive. And, uh, so today I want to talk about that thing that, that dictates that dictates the transformation in your life in regard to what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. So this is the very thing that dictates how you live, how you respond, how God's word affects you. Are you with me? So the effect, again, the effectiveness of God's power in your life is contingent upon your capacity to receive it. Amen. So we're going to talk today about the capacity of your heart, about the human heart. And, uh, you know, most of us in this room, we've had experiences with God at certain points. We've had, we've had re God reveal things to us. We've, we've read the word. We've gotten revelation. We've had things uh, happen in our lives, things that, that, would, that would seem to, 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 to be very paramount. We can look back and we can say, oh, man, I remember I was in this moment at this time when God touched me. You guys know what I'm saying? Or I remember when I was reading this and that God spoke this to me. But many times what happens is those moments when God comes and God does something, many times if, if those moments aren't cultivated properly, then the purpose of those moments will never transpire in our lives. All we have is a good memory, but there was no transformation that ever happened. Right? Man, I served a, a lot of years uh, doing youth ministry, most of y'all know. And uh, I would see this all the time. I would see God work in young people. It was the most frustrating thing in ministry. Still today, even with adults. I think adults are, are worse. Uh, but, we, but God comes and he does something. We're like, oh, man, it's so good. I'll never be the same. And then a week later, we're the same. Right? And I think we're all guilty at that at some level. Come on. At some level, we're probably all guilty of, of, of not really allowing every moment that God speaks to us, everything that God does in our life, we're all guilty of sometimes not really having a capacity really to carry out what God's word intended to do or what God's movement uh, was intended to do in our lives. Amen? So the dictator of that is our heart. The, the preparedness of our heart, the, the, the capacity of our heart to receive what God is doing. So it's important. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 47. He says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me. Listen to my teaching and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep. Come on, that'll preach right there. And lays the foundation on solid rock. 
when the flood ru- floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. It's well built because there was a digging of deep. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds his house without a foundation. And so when the floods sweep down against the house, storms come, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So we have these issues where we're kind of like this house that's moved, that's affected by everything going on around us. Every time something difficulty, difficult thing comes, then we're kind of somewhat destroyed. We're jacked up. We have to get back on track. It really messes up our mentality. And our tendency is to normally go back when we're doing good with Jesus and then we're, we're, we're really have overcoming in a certain area of our life and we're moving on. The tendency is when we face difficulty is, is to, to crush under that difficulty and resort back to those habits, mindsets, issues in our life. Right? But Jesus said that the storms aren't supposed to derail us, but we're supposed to be deep enough that we're supposed to be built solid enough to where we can withstand anything that life throws at us. Come on. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about you reject Jesus, but I'm talking about you, you, you know, some of those negative things in your life. You just kind of resort back to them. And you go, I just can't get victory in my life. Well, I want to help you today get victory in your life. Are you with me? To whenever God does something, that you build on that thing, and you build a foundation that's never shaken again. That you won't ever battle depression again. Come on, the enemy's going to come. He's going to try to, to discourage you. And discouragement is it's not sinful. But when discouragement goes past a day to another day to weeks to months to years that we're not optimized we're not functioning the way that god designed us to function we're settling for this state that we were never supposed to live in listen discouragement you have control over your discouragement joy and happiness is an inside job it has nothing to do with what's going on around you it's it's a choice how established is your heart so these things aren't meant to shake us Come on, are you with me? Because we're solid. And these things are going to happen. Listen, I would say the difficulties and the storms you face are not an indicator of, of your character flaws, but because God is doing something in your life, and the enemy, is, which is behind most of those things, is coming to destroy the work of God in your life. So it's not sometimes that we get to this place where... Um, you know, God speaks to us. It, it's more about, did, were we able to respond well to what God did? So many times we come in and we just, we're, we ask God, well, God fix it. And God comes and he speaks something and does something in our life, but we don't have the capacity to carry out the fixing that God did. Right? And so we slip back up. So what I want to do today is I want to help, help you cultivate your heart in a way to where you can receive all that God wants to do in your life. And you can build upon this thing. And then you can build upon the next thing. And you can build upon the next thing. And you don't have to keep resorting back to the issues that you've been dealing with for 5, 10, 15 years. Come on. This is the life that God's called us to. Mark chapter 4. Now I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. A lot of this scripture. And uh, so bear with me. He began to teach by the sea. Mark chapter 4 verse 1 through 20. He began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him. So that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. So here's the picture. Jesus is preaching. He's on the beach, right? 
People keep coming crowding in. They keep crowding up to Jesus. There's no more room. So Jesus keeps backing up. Like if I'm backing up to the stage and he just keeps backing up and they're like, where am I going to go? The people just keep pressing in. So finally he steps up in this boat and he probably launches out a little bit and Jesus starts preaching this message. Listen. I like to see what, sometimes I say listen like that. Listen. Behold. So Jesus is like, what I'm about to say is important. I want you to listen. How many know when Jesus says, listen, it's time to listen. Listen. Behold. So he's like, get this. Listen and get this. Get ready to receive. A sower went out to sow. And it happened that as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increasing and produced 30, 60, and a hundredfold. 30, 60, and 100 percent. Right? Are you with me? Said to them, then he said to them, he who hears, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he is alone, the 12 and the others around him, I mean, I know that these were the people that were like Jesus' entourage, the 12 and the others around him. So there were 12, and then there were some other people that kind of hung out with Jesus a lot of times. And the others around him began to ask him about the parables. He said to them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Everybody say, that's me. That's you. You're a follower of Jesus. The secret of the kingdom has been given to you. Come on. God's not into keeping things from you. He's keeping things for you. Come on. The secret of the kingdom has been given to you. You got it. It's already in you. You have Jesus. If you're following him. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but not understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. It's like they've got this veil. They don't get it. But you guys get it because you're with me. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables. So Jesus is saying, listen, what I'm teaching you here is so important. It is so paramount on everything else I'm going to be teaching you in parables. Listen, behold, get this one. And I would say today, get this one. Overflow, get this one. You know, get, get this message. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the one is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Interesting. These likewise are other ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately received it with gladness. And they had no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. So afterward, when tribulation and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones who are sown among thorns. They're the ones that hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entered in and choked the word. 
and it becomes, it becomes unfruitful. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God becomes unfruitful. That's interesting. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Listen, it's not God's will that you just hear the word or do you just accept the word, but that the word bears fruit. And most of the time, a lot of times, we hear, we accept, but there's no fruit. Four different seeds in four different situations. The seed is the same. It's the same seed. The only thing that was different was where the seed landed. So God's word will set out what it's designed to do if the condition is proper. That's us. That's where we come in. Same seed. Same seed that was on, that the enemy stole. Same seed that produced a crop. Same seed that went into stony ground. Same seed that produced a crop. Same seed that sprung up and was choked by the thorns. Same seed. Different heart conditions. Different heart conditions. So we're going to talk about those three heart conditions that can hinder the work of God in your life. I mean, you know, really, wouldn't it just be awesome if God just like forced his, you know, and, and he will? Come on. If we'll allow him, he will break out that spiritual uh, crowbar, crack open the place of our heart if we will get before him. And he will begin to open that up and pack his seed in if we will get before him. Come on. If you with, Are you with me? But he, he, he wants, he's got to break through the hardness. And that's, that's, the, that's the first area, three heart conditions that hinder God's work. First is hardness. Hardness, hardness of heart. You, you, you guys have met people that, that have hardness of heart, right? Right? They're, they're callous, they're bitter, they're cold, they're guarded, they're wounded. And God wants to do a work in their life. And God does do a work in their life. And then the enemy comes and steals it. Because God's not good? Because God's impartial? No. Because of the hardness of their hearts. So what happens is we have a difficulty. We have this thing happen in our lives. That we're, we're, it's tragic, and I'm not minimizing those, those experiences that we have, those realities that we're crushed by. But rather than staying pliable, and rather than saying soft to receive what God wants to do, we get hard. And yeah, we block out all the pain, and we block out all the relationships, and we block out all the people, but we also block out God with our hardness. So I could sit here and I could preach to you all day about how you need to humble yourself and you need to be broken before the Lord. But until you get it, and until you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, then he will lift you up. 
So we're not minimizing these great difficulties, but most, most of us have excuses for the hardness in our life, but you don't know what I've gone through and you haven't been through. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. What matters is that you need to be soft and pliable to the presence of God. So when he comes and speaks to you, it produces. It's not a, it's not a legalism issue. It's not about, it's not about quit being bitter. It's like, dude, God wants to do something in your life, but nothing is going to happen unless you soften your heart. And there's no like soften, soften this part. No, 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 no. It's just soft. It's all of it. And what happens is really this hardness uh, that, that develops in our life, a lot of it is, is, is simply a, a guard, right? It's a thing, something bad happened to us, a bad experience, a person was negative, so we develop this hardness to protect ourselves. But what ends up happening is we exclude anything from coming in. It hinders our community, our relationships with one another, but more importantly, it hinders our relationship with God. Develops pride, rebellion, an unteachable spirit, hardness. Disappointment can cause this. You know, uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve says hope deferred or hope, hope broken makes a heart sick. And so sometimes, I don't know about for you, but for me, sometimes it's disappointment, you know? Like I'm hoping this will happen and I'm believing this will happen and it doesn't happen, so I get disappointed. And as soon as I get disappointed, I get guarded. Well, I won't ever listen to that person again. Right? But really what it boils down to, it's a, a failure to become or maintain. A failure to maintain pliability and flexibility. Because what happens is when God comes and he does something, when you're in this state, the enemy comes and he steals the word. Just like these birds. And he takes it away. As it makes it, yes, the enemy, who is weaker than God, can steal what God is doing. Because we're not in a position to receive. Because our heart is hard. It's not that the devil's more powerful. It's that we haven't provided a place for that seed to live and dwell and produce. And that seed has got to have that place. So you can live guarded and you can just kind of live life and you'll probably get into heaven. But I think God has so much more for you than that. And God wants to see production in your life. And God wants to see that tree produce fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. I said percent earlier, but it's actually times, 30 times. Not just one tree, but 30 trees. Not just 30 trees, but 60 trees. Not just 60 trees, but 100 trees. Hundreds of trees producing out of your life. Trees, not just fruit. Number two. So the first is the hard heart. So what do you do about that? Well, let's talk before we get into number two. Let's unpack that a minute. What, what is the solution for a hardened heart? I believe it's exactly what David experienced in Psalm 51. He said, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. It's being broken before the Lord. It's being humbled. That doesn't mean being embarrassed. That means being humbled. That means getting before God and going, man, God, what is up with me? I am jacked up, pitiful, naked, and blind. Do something in my life. When you get in those moments, when you get in that posture of humility, not, but God, they did this to me. And this happened, God. That's not humility. That's pride. That's accusation. That's just like the enemy who is not your father. 
And so we, we have our case. We plead our key, case to God rather than going, I'm the case. Jack me up, God. Open me up. I'm a mess. I need your presence. Humility, contriteness, humbleness. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. So quit trying to have it all together all the time and being all strong. God doesn't want you strong. If you're strong, he can do it. He wants you strong in him. But if you're strong in yourself and you're all guarded, he's not going to do anything. It's not that he, it's not that he, he won't. It's that he can't. Okay. We've got to remain tender before the Lord. James 4, 7. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. And what you need is grace. That's what you need. But you don't get it by being prideful. You don't get it by being solid. You get it by being broken. Number two, back on track. Number one, hardness. Number two, the shallow hearer. Jesus referred to this as the emotional hearer. Likewise, there are ones sown among stony ground that when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, right? This is what I always saw when I was doing youth ministry. Go to camp or something. The kids are like, oh, I love God. I want to transform the world. Oh, go carry out the trash, son. Right? The first trial that happens. Right? They won't let me read my Bible. They keep me with chores. They used to deal with this all the time. So glad I'm not dealing with that all. Now I get to deal with adults, which are worse because I got all this experience and stuff, which, let me just tell you, experience is overrated. <laughs> it really is. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I'll be, I'll be just good not to go through some of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? But it's necessary. All right. But overrated. All right. Come on. Are you with me? <laughs> the wisdom, wisdom's good, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all with me? I feel so chill today. Is it feel chill today? No? Okay. Okay. Um, it's not a very chill person. So. Those that hear the word immediately receive a gladness, but there's no root in themselves. So what happens when the sun comes out to bring the stage of photosynthesis? Nothing happens. Why? Because what happens is like, you guys have seen it before, right? There's like, it's on your sidewalk, right? There's a little crack and boom, something grew up. Some kind of seed got in there somehow. But it don't live forever. Well... <laughs> yeah, that's all weed. But listen, you guys have seen it like a rock has some dirt on it. Boom, something grows up. But it, because it has no root system, when the sun comes out to nourish it, to give it strength, to do what's absolutely necessary for that thing to grow, instead of growing it, it destroys it. And this is what happens when we're emotional here is we receive it, but we have no depth because there's, again, hardness underneath things that need to, issues beneath the surface that need to be dealt with. We don't deal with those things. We receive it with joy, which is a great way to receive it. But if we don't develop that root system, and listen, I believe this is you, if you just have enough ground to get some roots growing, you can develop a root system that will break through the hardness, that will break through the issues so you can produce. That's what happened to me. 
But I've seen my whole life people that fit into this thing are just like the bitterness thing. Oh, man. No root system. Instable. They endure for a time. Right? They grew for a little while. And then that happened. So the thing that was supposed to make them solid destroyed them. Because God's not good? No, because they didn't dig deep. Because they didn't develop a root system. James 1, 2 says this, Count it all joy. Consider it all joy. Be happy. When you face trials of many kinds. Now, you know, when I read that, I'm like, there's something wrong with this. Like, yeah, what? Really? Lord, I, don't, I think this is, I mean, your word is in, 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 infallible, it's inspired. But this part, God, what about this one? We have a, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How do you face, how do you deal with some difficulty and be joyful about it? Be okay, even okay with it. It doesn't even say that. Be okay with the difficulties in your life. Count it joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Oh. Perseverance finishes its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I remember one time, Leslie, uh, she was watching some other kids and our, our children. And we were watching them. And uh, well, she, she was watching them. And she had to go do something. So she couldn't watch them. So she asked me to watch them. I don't know what she was thinking, but she asked me to watch these children. Like there was like six of them or something at our house. I don't know why she would ever even torment me like that, but she, she, she had something she needed. Yeah. So I told the Lord, I said, Father, I don't want to learn anything today. <laughs> just leave me alone. Let me just... Let me just squeak by this one, you know, count it all joy and changing poopy diapers of a child that's not yours is very difficult as we make some noise for those that work in our nursery. <laughs> it's just a perspective, you know, the joy thing, the joy and the trial, the difficulties, it's a perspective thing of recognizing that the reason why this is happening is because I'm getting solid. Don't let it kill you. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's true. It was a saying before it was a song, babe. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for doing that. I don't know why I'm so chill today. Um, when I was a student at Christ for the Nations, I, uh, what, what? Um, I uh, went to this mall and there was a little kiosk at the mall, and this guy was selling bonsai trees. You guys know what bonsai trees are, right? A little bonsai, you know, like Karate Kid. And so, not the new Karate I'm talking about the real Karate Kid. And, and come on, come on, Ralph Macchio, come on, we, we know what's up. And so I'm there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool, bonsai, the two for 20. I'm like, sweet. So I bought one from my girlfriend at the time, and, uh, and, and she let it die. <laughs> it was pretty quick. And the other one I kept for myself. And I lived in the G, which is this, like, tower that has, yes. Anyway, so it's where students live, male, single students. And so I'm there at the G, and I decide to put it out on the balcony, summertime. I'm supposed to water the tree every day because it's a little tree, and little, little trees have little roots. So 
They told me you got to water it a couple times a day. You need to take really good care of it. So I put it out on our air conditioner outside of our, well, it used to be motel room, is now dorm room. Sit outside the top of the air conditioner. And I come out about a week later. <laughs> Check out my awesome bonsai and do some cool trimming tricks on it, and uh, which never happened. And my bonsai was dead, and I tried to revive it. I tried to put water. I tried to do everything I could to revive the bonsai, but it was dead. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Like, why is my bonsai dead? And it's like, because I didn't follow the instructions. I didn't give it the nourishment it needed. The sun was coming, which it needed the sun, but it wasn't getting the moisture it needed, but it needed the moisture. And it didn't have the root system to contain it. However, you go up to the northwest, right? Come on, what would? And go to like these trees. They're red oaks or sequoias or something like that. I don't know what they are. And they got a big hole in the tree. Like, I don't know. How do they do that? Like, they start off with chainsaws. I just kind of would like to see the process. I want to see, like, the YouTube, like, time-lapse video on that. And so they cut this big hole in this tree, like a big hole, and then they cut it, and then you can drive a car through the tree. Hey, let's go cut a hole in the tree so we can drive a car through it. That's a great idea. People pay money for that, and I think they do. And so, but the tree's still alive. Well, how does that work? Because I had this little tree, and all I did is just didn't give it any water. They dug like a hole in this tree, like big tree, and it's still alive, like it's still producing. How does that work? It's a root system. Because that's, that tree is bigger below than it is above. And until you get deeper below internally than you are letting everybody know that you are. What's supposed to make you stronger will kill you. No root, no fruit. No root, no fruit. No root, no fruit. There's a little... No root, no fruit. Hang on, week. Yeah, rap, no root, no fruit. If you want a greater capacity, you have to deepen your heart in the word. Personal prayer time, personal worship time. If you want to deepen yourself, you don't get it by coming to church on Sundays. This is a great seed. You got to deepen it. You got to go and you've got to spend time in the presence of Jesus. You've got to spend time in the word and you wonder why you're so unstable. You don't even have a time every day that you spend with Jesus. You're not in the Word ever. I'm at church. I listen to the podcast. Twice I listen to the message. It don't matter if you don't deepen it. Come on. It's good seed. Good seed. (laughs) Got to have place to grow. (laughs) Humble you see. Number three is the worldly condition. This is the desires of the world. Jesus said this one's like it went into a place where it grew up and started producing, but there were thorns that came in and choked out the seed. And Jesus said this is like worldliness. He says now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things 
entering in and choking the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So again, the the all-powerful word of God, the incorruptible seed, can't produce. Uh Uh-huh. Got a little notification distracting me. Nathan. Okay. Just kidding. It's all good. It makes me happy. Okay. Listen. When Jesus talked about the concerns for this life, that we would be, he's talking about people that would be more concerned about what's going on around them in the world than what they are in Jesus and what the things that are going on in the kingdom. So we get so caught up in this system of life, of quote-unquote reality, and we just adapt and we just conform to it, and it chokes out what God is wanting to do in our life. The riches of this life, materialism, the American dream, Make lots of money so my kids can go to a better school, so they can get an education, so they can go to college, the best college. Nothing wrong with these things. But when they become the ultimate goal, this is what we call worldliness because we're buying into the system. There's nothing wrong with those things, but if this is like the focus and the drive of our life. Raise my kids so they can go to great colleges so they can get lots of jobs so their kids can raise really good kids and then go to the best schools and we can put them in a private school and then we can get all these great scholarships so they can go to the best colleges so they can get the best jobs so they can raise their... And it's just a cycle. And there's really nothing about God in that. There might be, but there might not be because I believe God wants to use those things. I believe God wants to infiltrate the system, but we don't need to just conform to it. We don't just need to buy into the mindset. We were not created to conform to culture, but to transform it. And you get it. You get in the system, but you transform the system because you're there. Worldliness happens when the world stops becoming our mission and becomes our companion. I said that before. I'll say it again. Worldliness happens when the world stops becoming our mission and becomes our companion. All of a sudden, we think that the world is there for us to enjoy, to pleasure. No, 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 no. The world is there for God. The world is there for us to take. The world is there for dominion. The the world is there for King Jesus to set up camp and to go in and infiltrate so that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what it is all about. It is all about being kingdom driven. So if you're in that, if you're doing that, great. But how kingdom driven is it? Kingdom first infiltrating the world, transforming the world to look like Jesus. Are you guys with me? So it's really about motivation. It's really about motivation. We weren't created to conform to culture, but transform it. And Jesus said, well, it's choking you out because I want to do this, but you're doing this because you're getting choked out and you tap out because the pressures... Oh, the pressure's taking you out. So God's word was designed to produce fruit in your life. And the fourth area that we see, it's interesting that there's four ways to not be fruitful, but only one way to be fruitful. These are the ones sown on good ground. As you hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30, 60, some 100 fold. This is the process of fruitfulness. First of all, you have conception, right? Those of you that took biology or 
Made children. <sighs> Help make children. Right? It's okay. We're adults. Yes, we're all adults here. We didn't make children. It's conception, right? A seed must be planted. It just takes a minute. Right? <laughs> all the married people. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Careful, careful. Conception. Just takes a moment. I'll stop right there before my wife has a chat with me this afternoon. So it starts with conception. I'm not saying anything. I'm just letting everybody else think what I'm saying or wanting to say. Okay, number two, so the conception happens, right? We all know this biology. Conceived, baby, conceived. But then there's got to be a cultivation. It's not like it's not like you have children and, you know, you, you do that thing and the, where conception happens and then boom, baby. It's not like you plant a seed in the ground and then boom, tree. No, 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 no. There's got to be a cultivation process. There's got to be a working of that thing. That thing's got to grow. It's got to develop. That's where the urgency in our life takes place. God's word getting in us and us cultivating it, us working on it, us deepening it. The presence of Jesus deepening it, getting into it. Don't let the don't read the word. Let the word read you. Get up in it. Let it just consume your life. Get the presence of Jesus consumed. Cultivate. You're cultivating what God's doing. You're creating. You're saying God. When, whenever whenever it says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, it's a place to God to come and dwell and do His will and His way in our lives. So we're saying, God, come and just work and just work. And it's done in the presence of Jesus. It's done in the Word. It's done when you're worshiping. So you got to do it every day. Cultivate, 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 cultivate. And then there's the fruition, the yielding of fruit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So there's the conception, the cultivation, and then the fruition. This is a healthy heart condition. This is what it looks like. This is how you know if your heart is healthy. You hear the word, you receive the word, and you bear fruit. This is where God wants us. I thought of having an apple here today, and I forgot it. But if I pulled a seed out of an apple and I presented it before you, I could be like, what do you see? What do you see with the seed? You'd be like, oh, I see an apple tree. You know, like, oh, man, that's big. That's a big thing. But God doesn't, when God gives his seed to you, he doesn't see a tree. He sees an orchard. So what God wants to produce in you is not just something that you're going to see. It's not just something you're going to see like in 10 years that's producing one tree. No, no, no. It's a seed that produces seed that produces seed that produces seed that produces other trees that produces fruit that produces in other people's lives. This is the incorruptible seed of God. Whenever it comes... And Jesus said it like this. He said, unless a seed falls to the ground and die, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seed. What was he talking about? He was talking about himself. He was the seed that went in. Boom. Produced. Twelve disciples. Poof. Thousands. Poof. Day of Pentecost. Thousands again. Poof. All the way to you and I. It's the same in your life. 
who, what is Jesus? What does it say in first John about Jesus? Jesus is the word who come and made flesh among us. So what God wants to do is he wants to come in and do the work of Jesus in your life and transform your life that you would produce and produce and produce and produce. And a hundred years from now, if, if Jesus still hasn't returned by then, that you are still producing the work that God did right now today in this moment is bearing fruit. The word that God does five days from now that comes in and produces in you, produces a different old, a different orchard. A whole thing produced because you had a heart that was ready to receive it.